All right, well, I'll just state for the record then okay. that my name is Michelle Marino, and I'm here interviewing Erlene Rogers, and today is Monday, October 29th, I believe, 2018, and we are at her home in Gary, Indiana. So I'll just go ahead and get started um, with some easy questions of when and where were you born? Born right here in Gary, Indiana. Okay, um, and when? Oh, 1934, December 20th. Okay, 1934. What were your parents' names? Uh, my dad was Earl Smith, and uh -huh. my mother's name was Robbie Smith. Okay, what was her maiden name? Uh, her maiden name was Hicks. Hicks, okay. And were they from Gary originally, or where no, are they from? No, uh, my dad was from Tennessee, and my uh -huh. mom was from Georgia. Okay, well, how'd they end up in Indiana? Uh, my Looking for jobs, okay. the steel mills, my dad and my mom came here. Uh -huh. Their parents came looking for work, okay. and but my dad went to school here and so did my mom. And okay. then my dad went ahead and worked in the steel mill for some years. So their parents brought them when they were young yes, kids uh -huh. here. Okay. Right. Now, did they know each other like in high school or working in the mills or? They knew each other uh, right after high school. Okay. I think my dad had graduated from high school, and my mom was uh, living uh, in his mother's home. He oh. was away in college, oh. and when he came home, his mother was sick, and so he had to leave college, come home to take care of his mom, and that's how they met. Oh, okay, so she like was boarding in the house? Yes, or? uh huh. Okay, that's mm -hmm. interesting. Um, so, you said your dad then took work in the steel, steel mills? Steel mills, yes. Uh -huh. What did your mother do? My mother never worked. She was a homemaker. Homemaker, okay. Mm -hmm. And do you have any siblings? Yes. Uh, I uh, had three brothers. Mm -hmm. I only have one now that's alive, mm -hmm. and then I have one sister. Okay. Who's right next door. Oh, wow. <laughs> Didn't move too far apart. No. Uh, uh, where were you in the order of your... I was second. Second. I have an older brother, yes. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, how would you describe your childhood? Uh, fairly uh, normal. Uh, I grew up uh, in a housing project. Mm -hmm. uh, it would, had just been built mm -hmm. here in Gary. And uh, so we stayed there until my dad got to a point where he was making more than enough money. Mm -hmm. And so then he bought a home. And I think I was probably in uh, middle school mm -hmm. when we moved uh, to uh, another location. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went to the schools here, graduated from uh, Gary Roosevelt. So fairly, you know, just a plain kind of a childhood, mom and dad, dad worked, mama was always there with the meals. And, yeah. you know, I was second by two younger brothers uh, that I grew up with. My sister is much younger than I am, and so uh, uh, I, I laughed because I grew up between boys, and I think that kind of helped me to, I was kind of a tomboy growing yeah. up, you know, and uh, fought all the battles for my brothers and all of that. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and what were your um, siblings' names? Uh, my older brother was Earl, uh -huh. and then I had a brother named Robert, uh, Gerald, and then my sister is Denise. Denise, and, and she lived, is one that lived She's, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. Right. Um, well, and also you mentioned your dad went to college. Mm -hmm. Where did he go to school at? Uh, it was uh, Lincoln University in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. He was an athlete. Uh -huh. 
uh, and uh, he graduated from McGarry High School here at Gary Frable, got a scholarship, and he was there. Uh, you Did know, he play basketball uh, or football? Or? He was a football player. Football. Uh, in fact, he first started out to a local it was at that time it was Indiana University Northwest. They didn't call it that then. It was yeah. the extension. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know one year he scored all the touchdowns for the team. <laughs> right? Yeah. He was he was he was phenomenal. Wow. Uh, but like I said, he came home because his mother was ill. Okay. And uh, he uh, uh, met my mom, and that ended the college career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you say were the most influential people in your childhood? Uh, I would say probably my my dad and my mom uh -huh. uh, were very influential and uh, and uh, I was and my grandmother too uh -huh. was uh, uh, I spent a lot of time at mm -hmm. her home mm -hmm. you know but so Mostly uh, family were mm -hmm. people that were influential in my childhood. So, As a young girl, did you have any understanding of your family's politics or political beliefs? Not really. Uh, I, the only thing I can remember vividly is I can remember my grandmother had pictures on the wall. Uh -huh. And uh, there was only one picture of a white person. And it happened to be uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, mm -hmm. and uh, at that time, I I know that that was a person that that she admired, and uh, so uh, I was familiar with, you know, with the two parties. That mm -hmm. there were two parties. She was Democrat, mm -hmm. and uh, I know one time my dad ran for a precinct committeeman. Uh, he uh, and he didn't win. Uh, my mother always said later on, your dad would turn over. Probably was turning over in his grave now that he knows you're in politics. Because, but uh, he was very influential in in the public housing that we lived in. In mm -hmm. fact, he had gone to um, an interracial school, Gary Frable, and uh, the people who were like the mayor and the controller, uh, who were in charge of. Uh, Gary at that point in time, mm -hmm. they were classmates of his. Mm -hmm. And even now, uh, Peter Viskoski, who is our uh, state representative, his dad and my dad were very good friends. And uh, he at one time, his dad at one time was the mayor of Gary, you know, and so that was, and, and I can remember my dad gathering people together for uh, these uh, friends of his from high school that were now in government uh -huh. uh, so that they could listen and he was kind of the political person in that particular precinct that they worked with. So I kind of came up with political surroundings. Okay, that's interesting. Uh -huh. And I think I'd read that your families remain friends even. Absolutely, right, yeah, yeah. now yeah. Say. Peter and I are still good friends. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Um, did you have any sense of, you said your grandmother obviously admired Roosevelt. Did she talk about his programs, or was it just a politician she respected, or? I can't remember specifically any yeah. programs that she, you know, talked about. Yeah. But evidently, there was something about him. I don't know whether it was, you know, what he said, or whether it was right. his carriage, or what it was mm -hmm. that she uh, respected. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. Well, you said you went 
to public schools here in Gary, right? Mm -hmm. And then did you graduate from, was it Gary Roosevelt? I graduated from Gary Roosevelt, okay. yeah. And what year was that? 1952. 1952, okay. And it was interesting. I, uh, I was president of the class of 1952, which was very unusual for a girl. Mm -hmm. I can remember my social studies teacher uh, saying to me, you know, that I probably wouldn't win and maybe this was something I didn't want to do. But I ran anyway and I beat the guy uh -huh. <laughs> that I ran against. It's interesting, he turned out, he was very smart, you know, in uh -huh. fact, he turned out to be a doctor, you know, after he'd gone to college and everything, you know, uh -huh. but uh, that was my first uh, run for, for an office is when I ran for president of, uh, of my class, and yeah. I think I was the first girl to ever be uh, president of a class wow. back in 1952. Yeah. yeah, it was generally reserved for the guys. So. Wow, well, good for you. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, what, what, was it an integrated high school? No, uh -uh. no. Roosevelt School was a school that its background, I mean, it was built especially for African Americans, mm. right, yeah, and so it was, it was an all-black school. Okay. Mm -hmm. What were race relations like in Gary in the 1940s and 50s? Not, not very good. Uh, I know that there was there were some incidents. Say, for example, I can remember we have a beach here and uh, on Lake Michigan. It's mm -hmm. called Marquette Park. Okay. And uh, when I was coming up, um, it was not a place where African Americans felt free to go. And in, in fact, I can remember uh, one of my dad's friends uh, getting caught out there at Marquette Park Beach and getting beaten. Okay, and so that was a place we didn't go. But I do. But they had a a pavilion there, and uh, I think it was my class that was the first class that was allowed to have a senior prom at Marquette Pavilion. You know, so. We kind of helped to break some of the barriers that uh -huh. were there, and so, like I said, you know, the the uh, the the encounters, racial encounters at that time. You know, basically, we all lived. African Americans lived in Midtown, in the middle of Gary, Indiana. So there wasn't a lot of. Uh, we had our own uh, businesses and all of that, so there wasn't a lot of opportunities for there to be interaction. Mm -hmm. between the two races, but, uh, you know, and so we basically, you know, live in the smaller part of Gary, which is Midtown, which is where I grew up. Okay. It, where is that in relation to where we are now? You know, this is 15th, and so Gary runs from, uh, so, so downtown Gary would be first in Broadway to okay. about, uh, well, I would say, yeah, about 11th. So between 11th Avenue uh, going north mm -hmm. and 35th going south would be like Midtown. Okay. And uh, and basically uh, uh, from uh, east and west, I would say I'm at 36 past Broadway. So I would say maybe. Uh, maybe 36 blocks in between mm -hmm. would be the middle of Gary. Okay. Actually, the actual middle mm -hmm. of Gary is where we were located and where Roosevelt School was and Fravel School, which mm -hmm. was really a uh, school, biracial school. 
you know, but so. Okay. When did Gary um, integrate schools? I mean, you graduated before Brown versus Board and things like that. Right, but. right, yeah. Well, but that was integration then, uh, even when I was, uh, okay. you know. In was certain schools. In certain schools, right, okay. yeah, because there was a, a school out uh, south called Lou Wallace that maybe there may have been maybe 20, 30 blacks there, but very yeah. spattered. Then there was an Emerson school, you know, in downtown Gary, you know, so there were uh, small numbers at the schools. Uh, before I before I graduated. Okay. Well, you were involved in student government in high school. Were there other extracurriculars that you participated in, or? Well, the GAA, which was the Girls Athletic Association, uh, I uh, participated in that, uh, and there was a um, a, 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 a club uh, called the Y. Y Chums, we were uh, associated with the YWCA mm -hmm. that I participated in that too. So basically that yeah. was the extent. Well, and did you have a favorite sport? It sounds like you were interested in athletics. Well, I, I used to, I liked, well, I was interested in athletics, but I, I ran track for a while when I was in grade school. Okay. Uh, and I can remember I was the anchor for a relay team, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I spent a lot of my life trying, as most girls do, trying to please their fathers. Mm -hmm. And uh, my brother also was my older brother was a track star, and uh, in fact he uh, he was a long jump champion. He broke a 25-year record, uh, and uh, and that's how he kind of got a scholarship to college. We graduated the same year. We're 11 months apart, but he's 11 months older than I am, but we graduated the same year, and so he got a, a scholarship to the University of Iowa. Oh. And uh, I played football for them okay. uh, and did very well. So, But I can remember when I was uh, in high school, and I tease him about this now, is there's certain uh, markers when you, um, do the long jump, you know, you run, run, and then you right. flip, and then you go forward. And I could get the markers better than he could at that mm -hmm. time, but there was there was nothing for girls to do, you know, as relates mm -hmm. to track at that time, yeah. you know. So, but I, like I said, I, I ran track and uh, ran on a relay team, and then I, you know, I played some basketball. I wasn't very tall, you know, but <laughs> so I, I played around. But sports have always been a part of my life, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Well, I know like in the, we're jumping ahead a bit, but in the 90s, I think that you, you know, would, it, I don't know if they were actual legislation or rather recognitions of girls sports days in Indiana. Right, right yeah. Right, you didn't yeah. really probably get to take advantage of that. Right, yeah, right. In the 50s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was always cognizant of that, uh -huh. you know, some of the things that we were able to do mm -hmm. as relates to uh, sports yeah. in here, right. It was always, I mean, it was a vehicle for uh, for college, you know, and like I said, my brother and I, we graduated the same year, and mm -hmm. so he got a scholarship. I had to go to uh, IU Northwest, you know, because my dad couldn't send both of us, even though he got a scholarship, uh -huh. you know, and so uh, I started working the day after I graduated in high school. I worked at 
Well, I wanted to be a, a, a secretary because I would gotten the award for the best secretary from my class. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's what I would be. And I got a job at the YDIP, but I tell people this because they, they find it kind of funny. But I envisioned myself being a secretary sitting on my boss's knee that was rich. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, and I wound up getting a job as a secretary at a YWCA oh. where all my bosses were women. <laughs> a different experience. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. So at that time I decided I would, I would be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And uh, so because uh, the Y was on 6th Avenue, a block past uh, Broadway, and then on the other side of Broadway, maybe a couple of blocks, was where they had some uh, classes for the extension of IU. Okay. And so I would walk from the, there across and take mm -hmm. the courses and everything. So. I did two years here, and then I went to Indiana University. In Bloomington? In Bloomington. Okay. Um, what made you decide on teaching then? Well, you know, in those days, uh, when, I, when you looked at jobs for women, especially for black women, it was either a teacher, a nurse, or a secretary, you mm -hmm. know, and so I just decided. Uh, I just decided on teaching. Just mm -hmm. I picked that one as the one to mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. Okay. When you were either at what is now IU Northwest or down in Bloomington, were you involved in other campus activities? Did you get involved in politics then, or? Not really. Uh, uh, I didn't. I mean, I remember we had our little. Uh, I, I, the dorm that I lived in, we had our little. Uh, I guess group that kind of ran things mm -hmm. within the dorm. I was in a, a dorm where we shared expenses, you know, mm -hmm. it was a co-op dorm. Uh, and uh, so I can remember I did chair the uh, the committee that kind of interacted with uh, uh, the, the people who over the kind of represented our interest in things, you know, sure. to those people who were in charge. Uh, but uh, I did join a sorority. I, I did, uh, but I led a pledge revolt. It was interesting, the young lady that was uh, head of the, 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 the sorority, down there, she was already a sore. Uh, she had been dating, who soon became my boyfriend and my husband, and so she made it hard on me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, so I led this revolt, and they brought the, uh, the national president down to uh, IU, and so it, was, it delayed me uh, getting to be a Delta. And so uh, I never, I never, I never went back to trying to be one again, you know. Yeah. So I, yeah, as I look back over my life, uh, things that I've done, a lot of times I was in a position where I was kind of a leader. Mm -hmm. And uh, so every kind of step of the way uh -huh. I was, right, yeah. In sort of a different capacity. Right, right? yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So did you graduate from IU in about 56 or so around that time? Uh, 57. 57, mm -hmm. okay. Um, can you tell me about your employment history after you graduated from okay. college? Where'd you go? Yeah. Uh, well, right after I graduated from college, I, I got married. Okay. Okay. And uh, my husband was in the service. Okay. And so uh, he was in Germany, and so I, I spent almost a year in Germany before I came out to teach. I lived in Germany for about a year. And uh, then I came back. They were just, Gary was 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 new and building and, mm -hmm. and the schools and all that. So there was a new school uh, that uh, I was assigned to, and I was one of the first teachers to teach at this new school. So okay. right, yeah. So I started my teaching career, and uh, uh, soon thereafter, I joined the Gary Teachers Union. And uh, it was their suggestion that I ran run for state representative first, okay. you know. So uh, in 1978, I think it was, okay. I ran for state representative and I lost. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, it, it was, it was kind of interesting because it was, uh, we were, at, we were I was the treasurer of the Gary Teachers Union. Okay. And so we were having this executive committee meeting. And so after you have an executive committee meeting, then you would dis, disband into a committee on political education called COPE. Okay. So I never was that interested, you know, in politics. So my brother, like, my brother was, at this time, he was a basketball coach. And so I got up to listen to find out what the score was in a radio in another room. Mm -hmm. And when I came back, this guy who was on the board said, I think that person ought to be Earlene Rogers. I said, Earlene Rogers, what? Well, this is Jewel Harris, was state representative, but he is not going to run this year. He was the person that was there for labor, and we, uh, we, we want you to run. But you gotta get down there real fast because filing closes in two days. <laughs> and you had to go down to Indianapolis to file. I didn't know what I was doing, so I came home first. I asked my mom if she, because my daughter, uh, I had a daughter, at, uh, I had a son and a daughter at that time. If she would, you know, work, would, you know, mind them while I was away. And then, of course, my husband, he was a fireman. And so he was, you know, work one day and off two. And so we got all that straightened out. We headed down to Indianapolis. I filed a run and then come back and try to put a campaign together in that very short length of time. Oh my know. goodness. And of course I lost. <laughs> but um, while I was out there, you know, cause the candidates sometimes they would be in a group and then they would go in like to speak to mm -hmm. people, to groups. Mm -hmm. And I can remember we were at the senior citizen's home. And so this guy that I had voted for all these years, he was kind of jingling change in his pocket, you know. And I said, what are you doing, you know? He said, oh, these are silver dollars. He says, all I got to do is go in here and pass out these silver, do silver dollars and I'll get their votes. I just thought that was so awful. You know, I just... You know, 
And I thought to myself, now I go to this guy all these years, and this is how he thinks, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I decided at that time, yeah, I want to get into politics and see if I can do it the right way, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I lost that race. So the next year, it was a, a race for city council. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ran, and it was a district council race, and mm-hmm. I was right here in this district anyway. And so I won, and so then I... Uh, I became a council person. Uh, in my second year, I was elected president, first woman to ever be president wow. of the Gary City Council. Wow. And uh, I stayed there for uh, two years. And then an opening came up in, uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, our congressman died. His name was Adam Benjamin, and so uh, Katie Hall, who was then a Mm -hmm. senator, she went to Congress. Carolyn Mosby went from the House to the Senate, and I came down from the Gary Common Council down to the House, and that was in 1982. Okay, so were you, so Mosby resigned to go to the Senate, right? That's what you said. So were you specially appointed that time, or did you have to run an election for her seat? It was the precinct organization in the district that uh, voted. Okay, they voted. That sent me there. Okay, so then the next cycle you had to go on your own. To run, right, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, In fact, I was up for the one to go to uh, Congress. But at that time, Richard Hatcher was our mayor. Mm Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was the district chairperson who decided who would go to Congress. Okay. And uh, I was, uh, it was about three of us, Katie Hall, a guy named Bob Pastrick, and myself that were running. And uh, so I represent, this is interesting, I, I represented a, a group, a place out here called Black Oak that was, really people who were from uh, Tennessee, Southern India, I mean Southern, from the South, Mm -hmm. they were all white. Uh, But when I became city council person, then I got to know them Mm -hmm. and uh, I can remember uh, one time they had a flood and I rode around in a pickup truck with them and all of that. And so one of the guys out there he thought I should be one to go to Congress, okay? Mm-hmm. And so they, the catcher had this big meeting where people could come in mm-hmm. and say who they wanted to go. This guy's name, I'll never forget, his name was Ernie Davis. He came in and so he said, well, I think we're all send Miss Rogers, our council lady, to mm-hmm. Washington. Cause I tell you, Miss Rogers, she might be black on the outside, but she white on the inside. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Like, what did he mean by that exactly? I guess, I don't, well, he thought it was a compliment, you know, that, yeah, that I was black, but I guess I understood white people. I don't know, but that's what, and he he came to me afterwards, you know, and he said, what did I say? You know, people just started laughing and falling, oh, and okay, early, just let you out of this, you know. (laughs) Oh, me, oh, my, so, and and that's not the reason I, I, 
I mean, she had a lot. I mean, she was already a, a senator. Right. So it was, you know, made sense for her to mm -hmm. go and move this thing, you know, so. Now, what was your relationship like with Mayor Hatcher? Uh, interestingly enough, we had, uh, we, we were in college together oh. down at IU. Mm -hmm. And we used to ride back and forth because his best friend was one of my best friends. And he, they lived in Michigan City, mm -hmm. and we lived in Gary. And so I would ride back and forth. So I knew, I knew Dick very well. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we, we got along. We got along fine. Initially, I know I worked extremely hard. I was teachers for Hatcher when he ran for mayor and all of that, you know. Now, when I got on the city council, that's when um, I guess the relation between us, between us was not was not as good as one would have thought mm -hmm. because of our background of knowing each other. Uh, but like I said, I got to be the president of the council, mm -hmm. and uh, the police showed up at a council meeting to complain about the condition of the police cars. And so I, uh, I, you know, the council decided, you know, me leading the decision, that what we would do is we would have an inspection of the police cars and designate a time and a place, you know. Mm -hmm. So when Hatcher found out about it, he called me up and he said, listen, he said, we're not having any inspection of any police cars, you know. And so I said, well, why, why not? He says, we're just not going to do that. You are not going to. I said, oh, yes, I am. Okay. So I subpoenaed the police cars. He called me up. He said, I've never in all my life been subpoenaed. <laughs> I said, oh, well, you are now, you know. And so after that, uh, the relationship, you know, was, was not the same. And, but I, and then I would resent the fact that he would call me and want me to vote a certain way and I would say why. He says, why are you asking me why? I said, well, you know, I might run into somebody at the grocery store or something like that. You're not going to run into anybody at the grocery store that's going to ask you why you voted for this, you know. And so we, uh, we didn't get as along as well as one would have thought since we'd had such a close relationship, you know, before right. then. So. Well, if I can jump back a few steps here uh -huh. and get a few things in chronological order. So, okay. um, so you, you went down to IU and you met your husband at IU, but he was from Gary as well? No, he's from oh. East St. Louis, Illinois. Oh. Okay. Football player. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's his name? Lewis. Lewis, okay. Uh-huh. L-O-U-I-S. Okay. And um, then you... It, when did you have children? Okay, well, it was after I got got married. I was okay. married five years before I had children. Okay. We, um, like I said, he went. He got in. He got inducted into the army out of college. Okay. And so uh, he uh, and he he went. He got stationed in Germany. But before he was stationed in Germany. Uh, how I met him. I'm down there because my friends have been down there before, okay, and so I'm down in a place called the Commons, you know, where everybody meets, you know, and so we're look, we're sitting there at the table talking, they're trying to acclimate me to everything, you know, 
So the door opens and in comes the football team, okay? Mm -hmm. And in comes this guy that I thought this was the most handsome guy I'd ever seen in my <laughs> life, okay? Uh -huh. So he comes straight over there to me mm -hmm. and he says to my friend, introduce me to her. And so uh, she made the introductions, you know. Then when I heard his name, it was a name that I had heard before about how he had all these girls and they ironed his shirts and they did his homework, you know. And so I turned around and said, okay, I'm not interested. Do you have to dispute that at all? <laughs> so no, he's not going to dispute that. So then, uh, so, and so, hey, look, so then the next thing, a couple of days later, the phone rings. Hey, I know a guy that's interested in meeting you. I know I've made a mistake, and you don't have interest in me, but, you know. And so he'll be over at the tree center at uh, 7 o'clock. You're interested, you know. And so then I go over there, and it's him. You know? <laughs> so that's how we yeah. got. So here we are now, 63 years. Wow. No, 60 so it, it would, we'll be, it'll be 64 years, we'll be married in December, so this was two years before. Wow. So about 66 years I've known him. Wow, yeah. well, congratulations. Yeah, right, right, yeah, so. Then, uh, like I said, I, we lived in Germany. And Where did you live in Germany? Huh? Where were you at in Germany? Ulm, okay. uh, Germany. Uh, so then I left, Germany to come back to teach mm -hmm. and he was still over there. He played football in the service, you oh, know, okay. so wow. he was still over there and I went to, uh, I came back and uh, so then after he graduated, I mean after he was out of the service, he came here to Gary. Okay. Well, we got married before he left. For Germany? For Germany. Okay. He didn't want to leave me down there uh, unwed. <laughs> Smart move. <laughs> So uh, we were married five years before I had my son. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what's yeah. your son's name? Keith. Keith. Okay. Uh -huh. And what year was he born then? Uh, he's 58. What year is, what year is that? What year was Keith born? He just turned, he just turned 58 probably. in uh, July. Okay. Add that up. What year was that? Probably about 58, right? Like 58 or 59? Yeah. Close to it? Right, yeah. Probably. Okay. Well, we were married in 55. Or maybe 60. Five, 60, maybe oh, 60. Oh, yeah, 60. Right, 60, right, okay. yeah. Um, and then did you say you had a daughter as well? Yeah. Okay. My daughter's 11 years younger. Okay. Love right, yeah. Okay. Um, so... You started to tell me, you know, running for that first office and lost, but how did you become more seriously involved in politics? What sort of drove you to get into that? Well, like I said, that little encounter I had with the guy that was jingling the money in his pocket, mm -hmm. you know, I'm thinking, you know, that's not right. You right. Know, we need somebody that's in there for all the right reasons. Mm -hmm. And then uh, by my being uh, a teacher, there were a lot of, and the teachers union, you know, there were a lot of uh, teacher issues that came up that uh, the resolution of those issues, you know, were with the state. Okay. 
And so my colleagues thought, you know, that I could make a difference down there because of my background in mm -hmm. education. And so when I went down there, of course, uh, most of my interests were directed toward education and union activities. So okay. those were two. And then, of course, uh, city problems since I served on the council and, mm -hmm. you know, Gary was um, uh, certainly a, a city in which there were problems and mm -hmm. so so those were the, the areas, the, the labor, the education and, and government, mm -hmm. local government, those were the three areas that I thought that I could make a difference in. Okay. Did you have any, as you're getting involved in state government, did you have any national political heroes or people you were sort of following at the time? Um, not really. Mm -hmm. uh, what about within the state? Were you aware of other sort of leaders within the state or... No, not really. I wasn't really that involved or knew that much about state government. Yeah. You know, I went down to the legislature kind of blind to it all, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, no, nobody. Now, I knew Katie Hall mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and, and Carolyn Mosby, mm -hmm. you know, those two, the two women that kind of preceded me, you know, down there, uh, but, uh, you know, wasn't really aware of anything specific that they had done that uh, I would have made me more interested in, mm -hmm. you know, in what was going on, sure. so, right, yeah. Okay. Um, when you ran that first time and lost, do you recall who your opponent was? Did you lose in the primary or was it in the regular election? Oh, it's always in the primary here. It's always Democratic. No Republicans ever win, <laughs> run and win. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, you know, the only Republican I knew growing up was that old man down the street whose grandfather voted for Abraham Lincoln or something, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but other than that, yeah. you know, they just were not not a factor. Okay. Uh, you know, and uh, but you know what I really found out? I really found out that that was a plus for me because uh, they had never been an enemy. Uh, and I really was not that familiar with them and what, you know, mm -hmm. what their thoughts were, or, you know, where they stood on issues and all of that. So. All of that was new to me, the uh, uh, the differences between Democrat and Republican. Because mm -hmm. once you we run, we ran here as the primary. Then that was it. Yeah. You know, most of the times I didn't even have a Republican opponent, sure. so I didn't go there, not liking Republicans. Yeah. Okay, because I didn't know that much, you know, about uh -huh. them and and you know where they stood on. Mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't take me very long <laughs> after yeah. I got down there to see the differences, <laughs> but I didn't go down there, you know, with mm -hmm. a with a, a, a disdain or a fear for the party. You know, that's really so. interesting. Yeah, which I think, I mean, I consider that a plus. 
-hmm. you know. Well, since it was mostly or all Democratic up here, did you find in the primaries that things would get heated in elections? Yeah. Did people have very vastly different political ideas even? No, it was almost like a personality thing, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, politics and where you stood on certain issues weren't nearly as important or the fact is, you know, you're born in Gary, you grew up in Gary, and, you know, you served uh, in this capacity, your mm -hmm. background experiences and all of that. Those were more, you know, important than, than any issues that, okay. you know, that we deal with because most of us were always on the same side or mm -hmm. same, had the same position on particular issues, sure. you know. You were appointed, so for that first time, which would have been 82, right? Mm -hmm. So when it came around to the next actual election, what was your first election day like? Uh, I'm trying to think uh, who I ran against. At that time, it was like a two-member district. And uh, I can remember uh, one of the persons that was running was Robert Rucker, the Supreme Court guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was so interesting when he found out that he was not going to win, okay, he would come to the campaign meetings and campaign for me. It was so interesting. Sometimes going in and out of the state house, I'd run into him, you know. Yeah. And we'd sit, we'd laugh and talk about, you know, those days when, you know, when I was just starting out and he was starting out, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so I wound up winning and continuing to stay, you know, and then he gets uh, appointed to the Supreme wow. Court. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good movement, too, I'd say. Right, 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 yeah. But uh, like I said, it, uh, at one time it was a two-member district, so, you know, and there weren't a lot of people that were interested in running for state rep. Mm -hmm. Are running for an office that would take them from home, so it, it was never, you know, an an office that was that sought after. Sure. It was mostly the local, you know, the mayor, the city council, the county council, you know, that people were interested in, uh, and especially where women were concerned, you know, they mm -hmm. didn't want to take that that kind of a position. Right. Well, I want to I want to come back to that that issue in just a second because I think that's important that you had to leave Gary okay. to serve for a couple months but um, what did you find or what were you thinking that first day as you walked into the state house? Well I wasn't afraid. Uh, I uh, I mean it's, it's, it's overwhelming you know because the only other time I'd been down there is when I went down there to uh, to sign up to run, okay. And uh, so, but, uh, you know, I had uh, Charlie Brown, you know, and in the house with me. So I had somebody right there in the house with me and then Carolyn Mosby in the Senate. Mm -hmm. And so I had, you know, them there, you know, to mm -hmm. kind of talk to. And uh, so it wasn't very long after that that I ran into uh, my 
my roommates. Okay, it wasn't the first year, but it was this, after I got a chance to know. You know Sheila Klinker from Lafayette? I have not met her yet, but the name is familiar, yeah. She's on my list. <laughs> she, and then there was uh, Anita Bowser from Michigan City. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the three of us, somehow or another, because both of us were teachers, okay. Klinker was a teacher, and Anita was a professor at uh, Notre Dame. And so we met, you know, in caucus and all that, got to like each other. And so uh, after that first year, uh, we roomed together. Okay. We found us an apartment, and I'd say, I mean, up until I left, well, it was the three of us, and then Anita died. I forget what year she died. And then it was just Sheila and myself. And then we were together, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting when we moved into uh, the Columbia Club, that bastion for Republican men. <laughs> but it, it was, you know, it was it was a great experience for me. You know, I'd, I'd be like, I mean, we'd be like the only three Democrats that were there, but we'd be sitting down talking to Bob Garden, you know, mm -hmm. President Pro Tem of mm -hmm. the Senate, you know, and uh, getting to know people, you know, on a social level, you yeah. know, and uh, getting an opportunity really to like, to like people, you mm -hmm. know. And uh, so, uh, like I said, so it was always the three of us until, uh, I think it was the year probably when Anita died, because Anita died at the Columbia Club. Uh, I had come in that weekend, because I would come in and, you know, and, and stop in to see how she was doing and all of that, you know, when she wasn't doing very well, and she died later on that day. So then it was just Sheila and myself, mm -hmm. you know, so the two of us continued to stay at the Columbia Club. And uh, Sheila, uh, up until maybe 2015, when Sheila started to commute back and forth. Mm -hmm. And so then I was down there by myself, you know, so, yeah. right, yeah, but. Well, where was your first apartment at then? Uh, it was, what was the name of that place? River something. It was an apartment. Like a natural apartment. Like building. a natural apartment, yeah. right, right, yeah. Now, was the athletic clubs open when you were there? Because didn't the Democrats used to go yeah, to the athletic right. club? They used to go to the athletic club, right, right, right. Uh, at, uh, the time, at the time, well, it was so funny because Joe Harrison, mm -hmm. you had to get a sponsor to go into the uh, Columbia Club. Okay. So Sheila called me, and so she said, Joe Harrison wants to sponsor us well, I said, what? <laughs> so she said, yeah. I said, okay, go ahead. I don't care. You know, I'm fine. You know, so uh, he was our sponsor. And we moved into the Columbia Club, and we became members of the Columbia mm -hmm. Club and stuff. You know. So why did he want to do that? Or what were his I, I think they were low on memberships or something. I don't know why he did it, you know. Yeah. but uh, And I didn't question why, you know. Mm -hmm. I said, well, okay, hey. Yeah. Gives me a chance to really find out, you know, how people really are and 
and see whether or not, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, it was, like I said, it was fine. We'd sit down there and talk and find out that uh, we were more alike than we were different, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. you know, so. Well, sort of jumping back to what we were just talking about, how old were your kids, I guess, when you were running? Uh, well, let's see, my daughter, was she 11, maybe? And uh, I think my son was in college. Right, yeah. So what was that like having to leave for a couple months? Right, yeah. You know, well, every it, year? it wasn't. It was well, it wasn't difficult, you know, because uh, she stayed with my mom, my you know grandmother, mm -hmm. and uh, my uh, my my other my older brother. Uh, he had two children that stayed there. Because they, he and his wife were teachers, mm -hmm. and so, uh, and even my, well, that's we were all teachers. I mean, the three of us, the three older ones, were teachers, mm -hmm. and uh, so my my mother was like she had a daycare every day with her grandkids, you know, and so my daughter never, you know, suffered anything. You yeah. Know? In fact, she enjoyed it. They had funds, you know, and so interesting. Now, whenever she. Uh, does something that I'm not proud of. She tries to point to the fact that she was left alone. <laughs> That's if you hadn't been, if you hadn't spent so much time. <laughs> I said, look, you had your grandmother. Your grandmother raised me, you know. So no, but she, uh, it was fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and then like I said, on the days her dad was off, you know, most nights he would have her at home. So yeah. it was fine. You know, it worked out. There were no problems there. Yeah. Well, how did it work for your teaching career? Well, I would uh, I would start in September mm -hmm. and teach until January. Okay. Then I would take a leave of absence through the legislature, and then I would come back in April or March or whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm assuming the schools liked that because then you were sort of representing them there, or was yeah. that problematic to get subs or things? No, well, they would get a one person that would take my place, mm -hmm. you know. And I would, like, when I would come in on Fridays, uh, I would, you know, stop and see how the kids were mm -hmm. doing and all of that. I didn't have to do that, but I, I did that, yeah. you know, to try to keep up with where they are. Yeah. So that when I came back in, uh, in, uh, March or April, you know, I could pick up and finish out the school year. Right. Yeah. I guess I never asked, what grade did you teach and what subject? Uh, elementary grades. Okay. Uh, all the elementary grades mm -hmm. I taught. Mm -hmm. uh, started out with first grade, second grade, you know. I remember one year, I taught the second grade, you know, and so uh, the next year I taught third grade. So when I walked in the classroom, the kids thought they had failed. <laughs> oh, Ms. <Ms>. Rogers! <laughs> She's That's funny. Right, no. Uh, but I, it was all, and then I was a resource teacher uh, probably the last uh, 10 years, and I worked with paraprofessionals. You know, I would go from school to school and and interact with teacher and paraprofessional, mm -hmm. make certain that they were working well together and all of that. So sure. I wasn't in a classroom for the last years that I taught. Okay. Were you at, for the majority of your career, were you at the same elementary or yep. did you move around? Right, yep. yeah, same, okay. same. 
In, in which one was that? Uh, it was uh, Bethune School. Well, you mentioned, you know, Charlie Brown and some of the other people you knew as you were getting into the house, but how did you learn the ins and outs of state government or who, and did you have mentors to sort of help guide you? No, um, I didn't really have any mentors. I just picked it up, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in my, uh, in my interactions with mm -hmm. uh, other legislators mm -hmm. and stuff, you know, and I, Anita Bowser, you know, I, she was uh, very important in terms of, you know, the law, because she was a lawyer and uh, taught law. And so I learned a lot from her, you know, we'd mm -hmm. have good conversations at night and mm -hmm. and all of that so you know so it was just my surroundings and people that I came in contact with that I learned about state government you know other mm -hmm. than that that you get you yeah. know in a textbook sure sure how did you know the needs and wants of your constituents of people back in Gary uh, well I had uh, like I said I as far as the schools were concerned, you know, I'd been an integral part of that, you know, mm -hmm. so I knew that. And then as far as, you know, government was concerned, you know, I was aware of, you know, the problems that we had, you know, in city government. And uh, so, uh, uh, and having grown up here and knowing people and, you know, so, I, I, you know, I just, I was aware mm -hmm. of what was going on, what the problems were. Well, in the early years of your time in the House, and then when you were on the City Council too, what, what were some of the problems Gary was facing? Uh, well, you know, we've, we've always had problems with the children in education, you know, being, uh, keeping up you know, being on a par with others. And so I spent a lot of time actually talking and, and dealing with, you know, legislation that like early learning mm -hmm. experiences and, uh, and, and making them see how important it was and the difference in terms of how a child comes to school from a city like Gary and maybe one from a more affluent, you know, in terms of their vocabulary, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the interest of the parents and, and, and all of that. So, you know, I felt that really a part of my importance there was to educate my peers about not only the importance of the background when the child hit, hit school, but how that impacts the scores and everything, mm -hmm. you know. And by my being a teacher, you know, and, and doing that and teaching elementary grades, you know, you know, I remember, uh, I forget the, the vocabulary that a child from one kind of a home comes from and maybe one from another kind and how that impacts, you mm -hmm. know. And so uh, that's 
So that, and then like I said, being on the on the city council and not having the resources, you know, say for example, like the police cars and mm -hmm. how that impacted, you know, problems we had with crime and all of that, mm -hmm. you know, so. Do you remember the first bill you sponsored? Nope. <laughs> well, you had a lot of legislation I over the years. I know it. I so. know it. I know it. So, do you, you you don't have that? I probably do. I can okay. look it up. I just okay. wondered if you okay. had a specific memory of that. Not the first one. Yeah. Oh no, I've got bills that stand out. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'm sure we'll probably sure. get to some sure. of those. In some ways, you, you've already talked about this a little bit, but can you describe the regular interaction amongst the assembly members? Okay. W what was it like on the floor versus in the Columbia okay. Club or yeah. elsewhere? Well, it, you know, surprisingly enough, what I found so surprising was the lack of opportunities to interact with the other house, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, in the house, I didn't get a chance to deal with the Senate because the, the gavel would pound and everybody would go their own way, okay? Some people, uh, especially those legislators who lived in Indianapolis, they would go home mm -hmm. and go back and get right back into their normal environment. Uh, and then, uh, uh, of course, some, you know, some people would go that lived in, in houses Mm -hmm. While they were down there, you know, they would go, you know, so they had a regular home atmosphere. Uh, Sheila, I used to tell people I spent half my time trying to keep up with Sheila Clinker. We went to every reception. <laughs> but it was an opportunity to, to meet and interact with people that you wouldn't have a chance to interact mm -hmm. with before, you know, so we always made uh, made the reception and so because there is so surprising uh, to me that you don't get a chance to get to know people if uh, outside of whatever your interactions are on mm -hmm. the floor mm -hmm. you know so. so what types of receptions would these be all of them you know like the bankers and uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, retired teachers mm -hmm. or the uh, Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. We went to all of them, you know, uh -huh. which is good because that's where you get to learn the issues and mm -hmm. people who are, you know, who are important to uh, whether or not you get legislation passed and all of mm -hmm. that, you know, so, yeah. What were interactions like between the majority and minority parties? Okay. When I first went down there, of course, in the House, uh, Democrats were in the majority. Okay. And so uh, but it, it didn't it didn't seem as though there was as wide a division between the the two parties initially. Okay. Now I don't know whatever you uh, and so I know at that now sometimes over there. I mean when I first went down there, I think I was on like on the last row. You know when you do and. So I'm sitting next to a Republican. I don't know if it's, I forget his name. Was it Spencer? 
I forget who it was. But we, you know, I'm sitting next to Repel. We got to yeah. be good friends, you yeah. know. I can probably look it up right here. Okay. <laughs> I think I right. have that. Okay. But so, like, seatmates were important, right, too. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah. And it was fun. You're not supposed to vote for anybody else. Spencer, yeah. Spencer. You're not supposed to vote for anybody, you know, like if you're not in your seat. And so I remember one time he was, he wasn't in his seat and he was telling me, hey, push my button, push my button, push my button. And so some of the guys on the Republican side say, hey, you're not telling her to push. He said, she'll push the right button for me, you know. Yeah. So we got to be, we got to be good, good friends, you know. Uh, and that was, I, like I said, I, I don't, when I first went there, I mean, we we had our differences, but, you know, we, uh, it was not nearly what it is today. Mm -hmm. You know, I, uh, I, of course, I don't know what it is today now, uh, but like I said, they, uh, I, I never felt big difference you know I know one time when they of course this was a, just a few years ago when I was in the Senate Rots that Senator Rots you know he told everybody he said you know what she said to me one time she said to me uh, I can't believe a nice person like you belong to the Republican <laughs> so you, you know get them and I know um, I forget this one senator uh, I forget his name he uh, Every time he would see me, he would talk real loud. Hey, Senator, you know, what the hell's wrong with you, you know? I know you can't hear you old, you know, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, just laughed, you know, and, uh, you know, passed off, you know. He was on the same floor with me when I was uh, in the Senate. And if I saw him now, he would raise his voice like I can't hear because I'm much older than he is, you know. So but, was that like in good fun or was he being offensive? No, that was in good fun. Okay. That was in good fun, yeah. you know, right, you know, so, yeah. right. And and you get to, you know, get to be really close to some people, just like even now. I've got, you know, Facebook friends, you know, from the other party that we still keep up with, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, Tom Weiss. Well, I talked to him on Friday, and he told me I had to tell you hello. Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. And and uh, uh, we we went through something together. My son had cancer. His mm -hmm. wife had cancer. You know, mm -hmm. and so going through something like that together, you know, you there's a bond there that political parties just can't mm -hmm. break up. You know, yeah. so right, yeah. So and uh, like I said, I. You know, and, and I had the opportunity to go on a lot of uh, trips, you know, like to Europe, to China, to South America. And uh, so when you're together like that in another country, then, you know, the, 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 the bonding, you know, kind of takes place because mm -hmm. you go through a, a, the same experience together, you know, sure. like, uh, and you take pictures and stuff like that, you know, so. I, uh, like I said, and even uh, Johnny Nugent and I are Facebook friends, you know. We'll, we'll probably get to them when we get to the casinos. Because <laughs> yeah. one, we'll one time he made me an honorary member of the NRA. And that was fun, you know, it was a house resolution. I said, hey, look, this can never get back to Gary, <laughs> Indiana, you know. <laughs> That's 
Absolutely. Um, well, walk me through the process of generating a bill. How did that work? Uh, a lot of times, you know, different groups uh, with different interests might, you know, ask you to, uh, you know, to uh, to have a bill, you know, done, or uh, or it might be something that uh, something that happens, you know, like. Uh, uh, I guess the one that comes right to mind was like the uh, the Paula Cooper case. Juveniles and the death penalty uh, was something that happened. And uh, as I researched juveniles and the death penalty, I saw that Gary, I mean Gary, Indiana had the lowest age at which a child could be put to death as low as 10, you know, they could have the way our laws work, you know. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I know that came as a result. Mm -hmm. That's how I got that legislation done. And then uh, we had uh, uh, JoJo's Law was, we had a preschooler that was killed in a car accident riding in one of these uh, 18 passenger vans, you know, and so, so uh, things like that that, would, that came up like in, in my community, you know, were uh, things that, that encouraged me to, to try to. So to would, if something came up in the community, then would you do, gather research on it and then yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, research on uh -huh. it, you know, and then talk to them, you know, in uh, legislative mm -hmm. services uh, and uh, put together some legislation addressing it. Okay. Yeah. How would you garner support for the legislation then? Well, uh, just, uh, you know, after you got the legislation done, look at which what groups would be affected by it and uh, have uh, an exchange and conversation with them. Let them take a look at it, you know. Uh, talk to different caucus members who might have a, uh, a background, you know, that, that they can aid and assist you, you know, in terms of, of getting, you know, something passed, you know. Everybody had their own specialties. And uh, so, and had experiences where, you know, dealing with these specialties. And so, uh, you know, like I said, uh, basically that, or uh, like the, uh, the ISTA might have something and think that, you know, you might be a good person to, to carry the legislation. Mm -hmm. And so, legislation would come from outside of you to you or you would see something that you were interested in and, and try and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and get something passed. Was a lot of the conversation around the legislation, you know, on the floor or did a lot of it also occur at the Columbia Club or at the receptions? Right, yeah, yeah. All right. of the above? All of the above, <laughs> right, right, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And like at the Columbia Club, you know, some 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 nights we walk in after session, you got this big table, round table, okay, 
and there are Democrats there and, and Republicans, you know, and you go and take a seat at the table and just kind of talk about stuff. Sometimes there'll be lobbyists there, you know, that you get an opportunity to talk to a lobbyist about about something or they would talk to you, you know, and just in kind of a comfortable atmosphere, you know, so. So a lot of business maybe isn't the word I want, but a lot of discussion at least, you know, behind the scenes or in informal atmospheres. Right, too. absolutely. Okay. I, I, I found that to be very helpful. Okay. Yeah. Did you then have a sense of how people would usually vote on an issue before it actually came to the floor or was or yeah. not? No, no. I mean, I thought it was always important to know, you know, uh, have an idea and mm -hmm. meet with people individually and see where they are on a particular mm -hmm. piece or, you know, and, and generally, you know, there's honesty that's there, you know, nobody's going to tell you, yeah, I'll vote for it and then turn around and not vote for it without at least, you know, letting you know where they mm -hmm. were, you know, especially so if it was an issue that was important. So you felt like people were trustworthy in Worthy, that sense absolutely. of letting you know absolutely. where they yeah. stood. Where they stood, right, yeah. yeah. Okay. So. During your tenure, maybe starting with the House, and then we can talk about the Senate, but what roles did party leadership play? Well, like I said, it was the first time I, uh, well, when I first went there, Democrats were, you know, in leadership positions, you know, and so then I had to, adjust to Republicans being in uh, leadership positions. Uh, but, um, you know, in reality, because of the conservative nature of a lot of the Democrats, there was not a stark difference between positions, people. I found that out, you know. In fact, I used to uh, talk about the Ohio River Boys, you know. <laughs> they were the conservative <laughs> Democrats. And I remember a lot of times in caucus I'd say, well, how did this person get to be a Democrat? You know, I mean, how can you be a Democrat? You know, I, I just, you know, so there are different uh, shades of Democrats that I had to get accustomed to, you know. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, Democrats, labor, yeah, you know, and so then you got somebody, you know, that's not what, you know. So I had to learn the differences within the party, you know, and uh, which was always interesting. Did you see those differences in the Democratic side change during your time there, or were they pretty consistent? Uh, they were pretty consistent, but yeah, no, I think changes. I remember, and I don't know what year, the advent of the, the Tea Party. I think that was eye-opening for me in terms of, you know, the, the schism that was there between the two parties, you know, so. Uh, and it was, for a while there, you know, it was really stark. But then after a while, people just seemed like to not be so set. And these people that were coming into the legislature, you know, they came in, you know, with, I thought, not even a willingness to try to understand the other side and try to find common ground. You know, it was really a different time. 
but then uh, that too kind of filtered down and so then we were back and I'm not sure if I have the years right on this but it seems like that was 2008 2010s was it even earlier than that maybe Uh, or rather I guess that's not so much my concern is yeah about that would be about the time probably so you felt like there were maybe a handful of years where it was hard to just discuss across the aisle where it hadn't been the case before absolutely right right yeah and then so your last few years did you feel like that had toned down that toned down that had toned down right yeah Um, Well, then what was the purpose of the Democratic Caucus? How did it function? What was its role? I'm not sure I understand what you mean. I guess, can you describe what the purpose of the Democratic Caucus was? So you would come together and what would be the goal of doing that, I guess? Okay, I guess look at, at legislation basically, you know, uh, and, you know, see what its effect was on, you know, different areas of the state Mm -hmm. uh, and listen to, you know, what other people are saying, kind of go through, you know, bills and stuff and Mm -hmm. see where everybody was, you know, that's basically what we would you know, doing in in caucus, you know, and say, for example, if I had a bill, you know, I would discuss with the caucus and see, you know, where their problems were and if anybody had any problems with it, you know, make certain you come see me so we can talk about it. So basically, you know, uh, we used our caucus meetings to kind of discuss what was going on, you know, so. So trying to get everyone like on the same page before you then went into right, session? Yeah, Is that right, make sure everybody understands, you know, uh-huh. what's going on and uh, so. Right. What about the Black Caucus then? Same type of... Okay. Yeah, well, you know, that legislation that was particularly important in the Black community you know, say for example, like lately it's been like the hate crimes bill, you know, and our inability to, you know, get uh, movement on that, or uh, it, uh, or just maybe party, state party issues, you know, uh, you know, in terms of candidates that might be running, you know, and what their backgrounds were, and whether or not the state party chairman of the Democratic Party was uh, interacting, you know, with the caucus and mm-hmm. all of that, you know, so they weren't uh, really a, a host of uh, differences, you know, within our caucus as it relates to where the caucus was and where the black caucus you mm-hmm. know, was. Sometimes it had to do with uh, leadership you know, in the caucus, because mm-hmm. uh, I remember when I was assistant minority leader uh, in the Senate, mm-hmm. you know, I remember uh, Richard Young, who was the running for caucus chair, you know, he came to me and he he basically uh, offered me the, the caucus chair. And I said, well, why not assistant minority caucus? I'm bringing, I forget I had, uh, 
the votes of all the Black Caucus members, and I had Anita Biles and Roseanne Tijot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had the numbers, you know. Uh -huh. And uh, so I said, well, okay, if, that's, if you got those numbers for me, then I've got these numbers for you. And that's how I became a system minority leader, you know. So nothing, you know, uh, no anger or none of that, just uh, an awareness mm -hmm. that uh, we always try to have, you know, with the caucus positions on different issues, mm -hmm. where we stood on them, you know, mm -hmm. so. Well, now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but weren't you also, was it like assistant party chairman for the Democrat? Democratic Party in Indiana. Right, yeah. mm -hmm. So how yeah. did you get more heavily involved with that as well? Uh, I'm trying to see how I got, I'm trying to remember uh, how I got that, that position. Well, John Lavengood and I were good friends for one thing and worked well together, you know. And uh, so uh, it wasn't my idea to be vice chair of the party, but uh, when he looked at, you know, the different offices that were there and and the impact that the black community had on the Democratic Party, they thought it important to let everybody know that, you know, that, uh, you know, that blacks were important to the party and the best way to show it is to have somebody in leadership, you know, mm -hmm. and so it was interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, I went Posey County all over the state, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> oh me, I was laughing one time. I said, "Well, they said, what are you looking at?" I said, "Well, I'm looking at the low-hanging limbs to see what <laughs> I might be hanging from one of these limbs on the tree, you know." But it was fun, you know. I got to meet a lot of people, good friends, and all of that, you know. Yeah. Did you, was there ever conflict traveling in other parts of the state? Did no, you ever? Uh -uh. No. Never felt anything. Mm -hmm. No. What does the public not know about how the General Assembly operates? Uh, I, I don't think that they recognize the camaraderie that's there. Uh, I'm not too sure about now, you know, how things are working, but you know, when I was there, uh, they, uh, I, uh, I don't think that they recognize that, you know, if a Democrat offered a bill that it would have problems, you know, I, I don't think that they realized, you know, differences between the, the two parties or why one party thinks one way and one other part. I think that uh, then I, I think their, their expectations in terms of what you're able to do might be greater than what you're able to produce, you know. Uh, and uh, May, may not know the difficulty of getting agreement on something so that it goes through the legislature. You know, what might seem very simple to them in, in terms of their thoughts, uh, they don't, especially if there's not the exchange 
that normally goes on in the community. You know, uh, like I said here in Gary, it would be much more difficult for them to understand something than it would if there was interaction on on a not a daily basis but a frequent basis you know in terms of differences between the two parties you mm -hmm. know so well, what were the most controversial legislative issues during your time in the assembly oh, uh, it's got to be the casino issue <laughs> i tell you i got uh one later I, I i meant to keep that letter she wrote me a letter uh, saying that I was surely going to go to hell, you know, <laughs> because of this, you know. And uh, interesting, here, here in Gary, I mean, the two prominent ministers were on either side. My, my minister was supportive, but like Carolyn Mosby's minister and her congregation, you know, so it was all of that you know, that was a part of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, because there were such, so many negatives associated with uh, casino gaming, like the mafia and uh, uh, prostitution and drugs and all of that, you know. So uh, it, uh, it, it was an, an interesting experience that whole casino effort, you know, uh, which was, there was a guy named Bob Spoyar, who was a lot, I, I don't, I've been meaning to ask where he is, and we got to be very friends. He was a former, he, he was a former Garyite, and he lives in Lebanon, Indiana, and he was a lobbyist, okay, and uh, he just basically thought casinos would be good for Gary. And I can remember him approaching me in the hall and saying, uh, early, you know, this would be so good for Gary. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, all right, okay, that, 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 I didn't know what I was stepping into either, okay. I said, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was the year after we, you know, passed the fact that Indiana could gamble. Mm -hmm. Okay, it was that one, you know. And so I, uh, uh, Carolyn, so then he said, uh, can you set up a meeting between me and your mayor? At that time, the, the mayor's name was Tom Barnes. And I said, yeah. And so I got in contact with the mayor and they met and then the mayor was a positive about this, you know, about because we, we, we've had problems all along with trying to get enough money to, to to provide city services. And so uh, he uh, he was very positive about it. And so then we met, and Carolyn Mosby at the time was in the Senate. And she sent to Atlanta to get the, to New Jersey to get the legislation. And the legislation came back, and uh, Bob Spoliar and Carolyn and I, we sat down and put the legislation together. She filed it in the Senate, but then they found out since it was a revenue legislation, it had to be filed in the House, and that's how I got it, okay? And uh, 
the first vote, I mean, first of all, we had a very good committee meeting, and we had a guy named Carl Zeitz that used to be on the Gaming Commission in New Jersey that, that aided and assisted us in the legislation and all of that, and testified at the committee, and everybody was surprised it passed out of committee, okay? And then it came uh, to the floor, and uh, we got 46 votes that first time, which says, okay, this might be a bill that could eventually be passed. And uh, it was so interesting. A guy named Dick Mangus. Uh, I was coming down the hall, he was coming down the hallway, and he said, look, how am I going to go back to my constituents and tell them that a black lady from Gary, Indiana, talked me into voting for a casino bill. <laughs> I said, hey, look, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, yeah, so anyway, so that's, that's how it all started. And, you know, we finally got something through. In fact, uh, they had an article in yesterday's paper. We are still trying to get uh, the casinos. Uh, we're trying to get them out of Buffington Harbor now, which is where our boats are. Uh, and uh, because we've got a better use for that. And so we want to move them, you know, to land. And so we're going to have some legislation that's going to try to, at last, you know, take them. Well, we went from the water to the footprint, and now we're going to try to get them from the footprint, you know, somewhere else. And uh, so uh, I I lobby for the Majestic Star Casino now. Okay. Uh, interesting. My, I started last year, and uh, when I ran into my uh, former uh, legislators down there, they said, okay, so you're on the darker side of the process now, huh? <laughs> So you know how it works. <laughs> right, right. I said, no, no, no. I said, here's one lobbyist yeah. that you guys know how important it is to be truthful about yeah. everything, you know, so. But, uh... Well, what was your motivation in first working on the casino issue? Uh, just, uh... It's... It's always been uh, getting money for Gary, you know, that, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know, well, I was born here, and uh, so I feel I've got it, but and I've been able to be successful here, and I just feel as though that if we could just get something going here, and with the steel mills, you know, on the decline, and people without jobs and all of that, I was looking for uh, something that would change the the direction in which the city seemed to be going, you know, I mean, and it's, it's always been, it was always uh, just trying to get money for the city, so meet city services, our schools, and you know, we got low tax, I mean, we got a low percentage of people who pay taxes and people 
in their homes. They, you know, they just get up. I forget how many abandoned homes we have, you know, and I just felt it. So now here's something that we could turn the city around, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we took casino gaming, but then we had, at the same time, they were trying to get horse racing passed. And so that's when uh, the horse racing people, I remember getting into it with Larry Borst, you know, uh, you know. He told me, he said, you know what, I don't like anybody from Lake County anyway. He said, in fact, I don't like any, anybody but my dog and my wife, you know. And uh, I thought to myself, I didn't dare say it. I wanted to say, is that in that order? But <laughs> I knew not to say that, you know, to him, you know. But we finally, you know, we worked it out. We realized, and I understood, you know, that he had been the driving force to get this changed. And it was horse racing that was driving it, okay. Uh, and I also understood the fact that uh, when there was horse racing and casino gaming in the same state that the casino took monies away from the horse. So I understood, you know, his plight. So, but we worked it out, you know, because initially, I mean, initially what we did was for every dollar admission, I mean, every, for the three dollars admission, one of those dollars went to the horse racing industry. So there are ways to work things out, you know, mm-hmm. down there without, you know, but uh, like I said, I had to fight the, I mean, so that, and then, you know, the religious people who talked about uh, what money changers somewhere in the Bible, I, I didn't understand all of that, you know, so there were these religious objections to it, and uh, and then, like I said, mostly it had to do with, I mean, so we, I mean, we did the, on the river, we did the river boats uh, because it was thought that the, the police, I mean, they could be uh, buffered, you know, and that nobody had to, you didn't have to go over that way if you didn't want to. They would be on the water, you know, out of everybody's way. And so it was all uh, in an effort to try and assure people that, yeah, this was casino gaming, but it would not negatively impact you know, the fabric of a particular city. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, that was the genesis of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was, it, was, it, it was interesting. Now we, the city of Gary, we, the bill didn't call for us to have any input into who we picked, okay, to be uh, a license, a license holder, but uh, so we had picks. We got two licenses. I mean, all along the state really tried to to aid to show Gary that you know we appreciate what you've done and the importance of what you've done and all of this. So they gave. We were the only location that had two licenses. So we had two licenses, and so we. We picked Don Barton, who was an African-American out of Detroit, and uh, we picked a group, we picked a group called Monarch that was out of Las Vegas to be the other license holder. And I remember getting a call from Jack Thar, who was the gaming commissioner at that time, and he said, uh, 
we think that you all need a top name for your one of your votes and we think that name ought to be Donald Trump okay <laughs> so it's so funny when down so we 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 had a process here where I was on the committee where we interviewed people coming in mm -hmm. so this one day it was that they would come to City Hall and this group would ask questions and all of that and so I was there uh, on that committee and so I'm back at the coffee urn pouring me some coffee and this hand reaches out and says hi I'm Donald Trump and I looked around and I said yeah you are Donald Trump <laughs> aren't you? you know we shook heads you know and we went down the steps of the city hall and we took him out to the, the Lake Michigan where he could see where the boats would be you know and I tell you he was just so excited and he said is that what I think it is? I said, yeah, that's the skyline of Chicago. It's great, you know, and he was just so excited and, you know, he was gonna do something that would come across the water from Chicago. I forget what those kind of boats are called. Mm -hmm. And uh, made a lot of promises. And uh, so that's why the state gave him the second license. So that, that did go through, right? It he did go he got through. it along right. with the he other Right, he got it song. right. And I can remember uh, when we had our first sail out cruise, you know, and he came he, and he had Marla Maples with him, okay? And so he ran into me and he said, uh, he, he introduced me to her and he said, uh, this, is a, this is the young lady that didn't want me to have a license. I said, no, no, <laughs> that wasn't it. I mean, we had somebody else, but wasn't, you know, I didn't even try to explain it to him, you know, so. What, what was he like? I mean, you said he was excited. No, but... he was jumping up and down. I asked the guy with him, I said, uh, why is he so excited? So he said, well, people don't realize that Donald Trump is a land developer. And uh, so, and I don't know what it was. I think uh, when he sold his license to Don Barton. Uh, I think he was trying to get rid of some assets because of some bankruptcies or something, you know, but he never really uh, lived up to the expectations, you know, that we had, you know, because he talked about this hotel he was going to build, you know, and doesn't compare to probably a, a day's end, you know. So, why did it, why do you think it didn't come to fruition? Uh, I think uh, it, he, uh, like I said, at that, at that time, what he was trying to do is, uh, I guess, file bankruptcy and get rid of some assets. Mm -hmm. And this was probably, this was one of the assets, I think, that he was willing to, to get rid of. You know? So it never then had the chance to kind of build up like right. you were hoping. Right, or right, right. Was hoping. Yeah. And so Don Barden, he wound up with uh, both licenses, and he uh, he was spreading himself too thin because he went up to Pittsburgh or somebody somewhere, and he was trying to open up there, and then he he went into bankruptcy or something, and uh, I think it was all the stress and all of that. You know, he died, and so uh, uh, we have been kind of limping along, you know, but what happened was all of our 
clientele comes from Chicago. And so the first, although it was us that that led the charge and all of that, and we were given two licenses for, for what we had done. Uh, other, we didn't even have to have a referendum in Gary because we had had a non-binding one, so we didn't have to have a referendum. And then uh, we were given first shot at being first in the water. They set a date ahead that nobody could could start until we had, you know, started. And so the state in every way was trying to, you know, say thank you for your efforts. And uh, so, but, so all of these things. So then Hammond passed it and East Chicago passed it. And they're closer to Chicago. And so most people, you know, they would go to Hammond and then we're third in line. Not only that, uh, it used to be the boats could only dock once an hour, mm -hmm. but uh, since we had, so they would do like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock like that, but since we had two boats, Trump would do like 7.30, 8.30, and Don would be, you know, so ours was really every half hour. People not wanting to wait would come there, but then they passed a law that said, you know, so. Yeah. So we've got kind of, the short end of the stick mm -hmm. on that, so. Well, I, I want to ask a question, and I don't really know the story behind this. Okay. But I heard rumor that you have probably one of the only apology letters from Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and I need to, I need to find that letter, too. <laughs> What's the story behind <laughs> well, that? Well, uh, I'm trying to think of his, his it was his attorney. Uh, that uh, there was uh, an article, I think, in the paper where it seemed as though the two of us, and we did have a difference in terms of something, and uh, uh, he, uh, it was Donald Trump, it was on Donald Trump's letterhead, but it was from his organization that apologize for, you know, what was written in the paper and stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's somewhere here. I've got to find it because it, it has a lot of meaning now. <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> I've got, I don't know, I've got, I mean, on the casinos, I've got those, these collapsible polls, I've got everything. I've got every vote that was taken. Uh, I've got newspaper articles. I've got uh, letters back and forth, you know, and Don Barton and I, we got to be extremely close because we shared the same birthday, December 20th. And, uh, you know, I can remember he, uh, one time when I went out to the boat and we were talking and uh, I asked him, I said, what, what are you trying to do? You know, you're just spreading yourself so then, I mean, we we had that kind of a relationship, and uh, so because rather than put his money into the property, he was 
getting property other places, Mississippi, Pittsburgh, you know. And uh, Ameristar, they were putting money into property. And then when I think it was Caesars that, that got the hammer, you know. Because it was so interesting that once we got this all passed, I remember with Circus Circus, we thought they would be good to come to Gary, you know, and but then they responded that Gary didn't have a family life atmosphere and they wouldn't come to Gary, you know. And so not only did we, although we had fought this battle, there were some companies that were interested in other places and not ours, you know, mm. so yeah. So that was a struggle getting right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. What? Obviously, decades have passed, sort of, since this first came to fruition. What do you think have been the results? Well, I mean, we uh, certainly there has. I mean, I don't know the millions of dollars. I did know the millions of dollars that the casinos bring in. You know, uh, to the state. Uh, I mean, money goes to the state, and then money goes to the city where the boats are docked, or goes to the counties where the boats are docked. Uh, and uh, there's another, I think it's technology or some kind of educational uh, component to it. So I think, you know, in terms of uh, the dollars that have come into the state, uh, I, I think that uh, they have more than uh, aided and assisted us, you know. I uh, sometimes I, I smile because my biggest opponent trying to get that passed was Evan Bai. Okay. And I remember how we and Gary had worked so hard to try to get him elected governor, you know, and had done that. And then here, here he is, you know, in opposition. And I can remember the day that, because we put the le legislation in the budget, mm -hmm. and uh, I can remember the day that we were to vote on it. He, everybody from his administration, came out, came down, and was trying to keep us from voting against it, okay? And uh, I can remember Stan Jones, he and I had been partners in education for so many years since I'd been down there. Stan uh, came and said, the governor said, he, he wants you to vote no on that. In fact, the governor wants to see you. And I said, you tell the governor I'm too busy counting votes, I can't come see him. And I didn't go. Uh, Rose Antich, uh, who was supporting it, she came back and she was close to tears. I guess he was really hammering Democrats to be against it, you know. But so I call us, there were seven Democrats. I call us the Magnificent Seven. The, the Magnificent Seven voted for that. And uh, of course, the Republicans voted for it. For the gaming legislation, or that was in the budget. In the budget, it was in the budget, right? And uh, so I smile uh, when they were thinking about him running for president, and uh, he was saying that they were saying about Evan, you know, running for president. That uh, 
one of the few governors in the country that had not had a raise in taxes. And I said to myself, yeah, that's because we got the casinos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy. <laughs> well, and do I understand there was some pushback from some of the Democrats, particularly in Gary, then when he was up for re-election because of his pushing back against the, the casinos? Yeah, I'm sure there was. I mean, I... I, I didn't use that as an excuse. You know, once you win, you know, why why do that? But, yeah, there's some people who are still to this day in Gary who have not forgiven him. Mm-hmm. You know, when he came and ran for, uh, what was, what did he run for lately, the Senate? No. Yeah. Probably. U.S. Senate or something? Maybe. I hope so. I, can't. I forget. But his latest election mm-hmm. try. There were people in Gary who still remembered that, his mm-hmm. position on that, you know. So. Okay. Um, I meant to ask this earlier, but what prompted you to switch from the House to the Senate? Well, it was, uh, well, you know, it was that Adam Benjamin died, and you know, and so it was open. And uh, I mean, to be perfectly honest, what I didn't like most about being a representative was running every two years. So it gave me the opportunity to have to campaign less and mm-hmm. for every four years. And uh, I thought it was interesting that there was, I thought I could go over to the Senate and, and, and continue to work on the casino bill. And it would be like the first time in the history of the state where the author of the bill was also the sponsor of the bill. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I, uh, I thought maybe I could go over there and work over there. And of course I knew Charlie Brown would continue the work in the uh, house. And so, but. And he, he was up to go over there too, and uh, so I just decided, you know, once every four years. I mean, I couldn't pass that opportunity mm-hmm. up. Since mm-hmm. so, were there any differences between being in one versus the other that you liked or well, didn't like? Well, you've heard what they say, right? The house is like a tavern, and the Senate is like a library. <laughs> <laughs> That's not quite true, but. Uh, uh, I, I, I do think that it, the Senate is uh, I think they deliberate more and uh, in the House I always got the impression that since there were so many of us in the House you know every, everybody was trying to stand out you know what I mean? And did I remember one time Delegar stood on the desk to get the attention of the speaker, you know. And Dick Dellinger, right? I just thought about that again, you know. And the Senate was a little bit more deliberative, you know, and uh I you know, and so that's uh that was my my views then. 
you know, as to why I decided to go there. But mainly it was just not having to run every two years, you know, so, which is important. Obviously, you said the casinos were some of the most controversial legislation. Is there anything out, anything else that sticks out to you? Well, the juveniles and the death penalty mm -hmm. uh, was one because it came, you know, on the heels of uh, that the Paula Cooper case here in Gary, where uh, these teenagers had stabbed the Bible teacher. And so I tried to not let that get into it at all, you know. But once, you know, I, because uh, it was Dick Bray uh, who was chair of uh, the committee where the bill was heard. And so he said, Earling, you know, I'll, uh, I'll let you uh, have a hearing, but I'm not too sure we're going to vote on it. So I said, okay. And there was a guy from Cleveland State University that was like the expert on all of this. I didn't even know he was coming. Mm -hmm. He came and made such an excellent presentation until uh, uh, Dick turned to me and he says, Early, we're going to take a vote on this one, you know. And then we voted, got out of committee, got out of the uh, House, went over to the Senate to uh, What's the congressman's name that was in the Senate at that time? Uh, Baron Hill or somebody like that? No, not Baron. Uh, well, I forget his name. What, what year was this around? I don't remember what year it was. But anyway, he, he left the Senate and went to... Uh, he left the Senate and went to Washington. Okay. Uh, but uh, so when it went went over there, uh, I can remember Frank Moran from Hamlin because I went over there to listen to the bill, you know, and he was a gangster and he was back talking about the Paula Cooper case, and he got up in front and he said and. She stabbed him, and she stabbed her, and she stabbed her, and I mean, going through all these machinations, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, you're going to kill this bill. But it passed out. Bob Hellman was there at the time, and he aided and assisted, you know, this passage. And uh, it passed, because all along I knew that Paula Cooper would be negative, you know. But I remember one time I was walking down the hall, and Randy Shepard said, to me, he says, you do know that you were responsible for saving Paula Cooper's life. Uh, because when we passed that legislation, it was like, it was, you know, it was, what it, what it basically said was, is that uh, no death penalty, you know, for uh, up to 16, and then you could use 16 to 18 as a mitigating factor, you know. And so, although she had been like, they were getting ready to sentence her, that they didn't. And uh, so, uh, but then I was so sorry when I found out she had committed suicide. I can remember I was, my son lives in Arizona and I was just, just gotten off the plane, was going into his house and a reporter called me from back here to let me know that Paula had 
committed suicide. And uh, uh, interestingly enough, uh, her sister uh, contacted me a couple of years ago. Her sister is, is doing a book. And so her sister came over and uh, visited with me. And uh, I keep a picture of Paula, uh, you know, uh, on my stand over there, you know. So it, uh, I don't know. And because people ask me, you know, did you ever, I never met Paula Cooper. And then I was thinking to myself, you know, wonder is there anything I'd have said or done that could have prevented her from uh, committing suicide, you know. But I, I guess not her sister. And I uh, have basically become like friends. Uh, we're Facebook friends and uh, uh, she uh, kind of runs things by me when, you know, what she's getting ready to do. She's, they still haven't written a book, but they're going to do a book about that whole, you know, Paula mm -hmm. Cooper's, you know, episode and stuff. You know, well, so. How did that legislation come to you? I mean, I know that the incident took place in Gary. Is mm -hmm. that something you picked up or is that something that someone said, look, this is... No, I picked it up. I, you know, I, I was upset that they were going to give her the death penalty. Because like I said, I, people don't understand the kind of homes that these kids come from and what happens and, you know, and just like now, the Chicago kids that are here, uh, once they close down uh, those high rises in Chicago, we've got a large population of Chicago kids that are here. And uh, my sister is still teaching. And she, uh, when she comes home and tells me some of the things that those kids say to her, and she, she's an intervention specialist, you know, and so uh, she works with uh, kindergartners and first graders. And, uh, you know, she, the other day she said, the little boy said, you know, shut up, fat ass, you know, calling her names. And uh, the parents come over, you know, and they've been, uh, uh, parents coming over to fight the teachers and I, you know, Peggy Hinckley, I'm working with her here. I'm, I, uh, the mayor appointed me to, uh, to be uh, on the advisory board for fiscal management and uh, I was elected uh, chairperson of that, you know, and so I'm working closely with Peggy, but uh, people don't understand the children that we have to work with here in Gary, you know, and uh, the homes from which they come and uh, the difficulty that's there. And uh, so, I don't know, uh, we, uh, I don't know what you do with kids like that. And, and they're kids that, I, I, I never experienced this. They'd say they're a group of kids, they're called runners and uh, uh, that they have to get up and run, you know. And they'll run out to, out to school, and you know, they have to catch them, you know. I never even heard the term runners when talking to about a group of kids, you know, but 
uh, it's uh, I don't know where we're going to go in Gary you know uh, what how we can stem some of the problems that are here you know the violence and uh, so, so my son keeps trying to get me to come to Arizona he said, Mom, you don't know what it is to wake up every day and the sun is shining. I said, yeah, okay, okay, okay. But he uh, he and his wife, uh, they teach at Grand Canyon University in uh, in Phoenix. So mm -hmm. they're doing just fine, you know. Yeah. It's my, they haven't got five grandsons. Oh, man. One granddaughter. And uh, they're all in that area, but I, mm -hmm. you know. Hard to leave. Or it's hard to leave. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, but anyway. Well, what was your proudest moment as a legislator? My proudest moment as a legislator, I think, it was the passage of the casino bill. You know, I've got a picture somewhere of me going over to Johnny Nugent's desk. You know. Because he made the greatest speech that night. You know, Johnny Nugent didn't talk very much, but I tell you, he, he made a great speech that night. Mm -hmm. And I can remember going over to his desk afterwards and saying, you know, you know thanks a lot. You know, we did it, you know. And uh, so all you could do is, is to do what you think will make a difference. And uh, I was so glad that we had done that. It has not made the difference that I had thought it would make, but we really haven't been the recipients of what I thought we were going to get as a result of it passing, you know. I mean, who would have thought that, you know, it would be Hammond. Hammond, Hammond does extremely well. They are really moving forward, you know, in, in East Chicago. And we do, too. I mean, some of the money we've used, we've employed people. Most of the people that work there, you know, are from Gary. So we've got employment there. And, you know, and so it, it's, 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 it's doing fine. But it would have been so much better if those two cities hadn't been there and they were coming straight, you know, to, right. to Gary, you know. And uh, so, and then uh, Michigan City, I, uh, they were the last to get on board. And so all of the traffic that would have been coming, you know, from the north, uh, we, would have, we would have gotten. But so Michigan City there, and then those three casinos there, you know. And so maybe if we get a chance to move out to 8094, where all that traffic is, you know, then uh, we can begin to do some of the things that we still need to do here in Gary. So, but anyway. So I'm still, I mean, I've still got my hands into uh, working with, you know, the emergency manager here and trying to see what we need to do here as far as education is concerned and still working, you know, to try and get additional monies, you know, for the city to solve some of our problems, so, but in a different capacity, you know. It was the commute back and forth that uh, was the reason why I, I decided not to run again, you know. I mean, I, uh, people thought I had, I had a driver, 
you know, but I was driving back and forth, and, you know, the, the advent of uh, cell phones and all that, you know, I mean, it just to me, it was a little more hazardous than what I, you know, wanted to do, and so, and then I thought that uh, this would be my time for my husband and I, you know, to do some things, and then he, uh, he, as you can tell, he's he's not well. He's not ambulatory, and uh, he uh, he has cancer, and so we are not going to be able to do a lot of the things that we thought we would be able to do, you know. And so right now, you know, it's back and forth to the uh, cancer doctor and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. so, but anyway, yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm glad I, I did the legislature. I mean, that is, I mean, I, I, I felt that I have been able to contribute and uh, I think I, I mean, I was a little late leaving, but I've still got some time, you know, here to continue to do some things and you know mm -hmm. I will continue to do that so. yeah do you have any favorite anecdotes or stories from your time in the legislature uh, or do you have too many that you can't choose <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think I don't know, I think I probably shared everything that yeah. I well, just have a couple, point. Yeah. You know. I have a couple more questions for okay. you. Um, one, I just wondered, and you've addressed this at a couple of different moments, but did you ever feel that you were treated a particular way based on either your race or your gender when you were a legislator? Maybe initially, mm -hmm. but I think I think it's the way in which you carry yourself, you know. And uh, I never felt different, and so I think by my not feeling different, I don't think I acted different. And I think uh, I think people. I guess nobody ever really forgets, you know, that you're a woman or what your race is. But I do think that there are ways that you yourself can uh, behave in such a manner that people take that into consideration, okay? So I don't think that I did behave in that manner because I never felt, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by people of a different political party, you know, but I, I never felt in any way not being able to get involved in what was going on. Uh, African-American, I think, sometimes I think it's an advantage because people have low expectations of you, so then when you do okay, then you're considered a genius. 
<laughs> and then I think, uh, you know, being a woman, I mean, I've always competed against guys and my brothers, you know, I was the only girl brought up between three boys and I'm steady trying to get my dad's attention. And uh, so, you know, I've, I've been able to succeed in the quote unquote man's world, you know, so I, uh, I have just kind of put those, the fact that I'm a woman, the fact that I'm a black, the fact that I might be of a different party, I just never take those things into consideration and I think that, you know, in the end it, it bodes well for what you have to get done. So. How has the state of Indiana changed over the course of your lifetime? I, you know, I don't, I don't know whether or not, I mean, I think I could have said something different maybe a couple of years ago than I do now uh, because of all the things that are going on in the country at this point in time, you know. Uh, but uh, I had thought that uh, Indiana and you know, and uh, racism and all of that was uh, ebbing, okay? Because I was uh, Barack Obama's first district coordinator when he ran in 2008. And uh, we carried Indiana, you know, and so that kind of led me to believe that we are at a different point here than we were when I first got into politics, you know. Uh, so, like I said, I, I thought that maybe race did not play as significant a role because of the Obama situation, but now that, you know, different, now in this atmosphere, I'm not too sure whether I viewed that right or whether or not actually things have gone back the other way, you know, so we'll see. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Very scary. Yeah, right. Um, given that you had previous contact with the president, I guess it, has his involvement in politics surprised you? from your earlier interactions or not? Yes, yeah, it is surprising for me. I didn't realize that he was so crass. You know what I mean? I, and uh, I guess I probably maybe should have wondered about uh, his maybe sincerity in terms of some of the things that he promised and didn't deliver on, say, for example, when we had a hotel downtown that was, that we had to close up, and it was right next to City Hall. And as we were going down the steps to get into the van to go out to the lake, Donald Trump said, what's that? And I said, well, that's, that's an old uh, hotel there. And he said, that's the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get rid of that hotel. We're gonna level that, you know. He never did that. 
I don't even think, I don't even know what he ever thought about it. And we finally got it leveled, you know, because it was an eyesore to walk down the city hall and see this abandoned Sheridan Hotel sitting there, you know. And uh, so, but, you know. You've addressed this a little bit, but how has the General Assembly changed during your, you know, 30 plus years in service? You know, like I said, when, when I left there, uh, I didn't see nearly the, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe I was blind to it, but I never, it was, I didn't see the hard political lines that were there when I first, you know, came to the legislature. I mean, uh, they were there and they were visible, you know, not, you know, not like they are today, but they were there. But I, I always thought, or maybe it was my shift from the House to the Senate. But, uh, you know, we, we got along fine in the Senate. I mean, I say, for example, I was the uh, ranking member for our party on the Education Committee. Dennis Cruz. Now, Dennis Cruz homeschooled his children. Probably, you know, would be the exact opposite of where I was on education issues. But Dennis Cruz, invited me to partner with him to the the day before every education committee meeting we would meet with legislative services the attorneys would come in meet with us go through the bills so we understood the bills okay and uh you know and i would say to this well you know that's something i can't support as i understand that well i'm going to be honest and so you know we 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 did that, and so it wasn't uh, when we when we met as a uh, committee. Uh, it was no, I mean it was. He did his thing, I did my thing. He said, you know, and it was no rancor or any of that, you know. So, uh, and and I don't know whether, I don't know whether that continued or not, but. I always thought very highly of him for doing that because we didn't want for education, you know, we didn't want to, 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 uh, to be uh, negative and all of that, you know. I can remember one time uh, Ryan uh, Mishler. Okay, uh, he uh, he was testifying before the uh, education committee on a bill or something, I forget, but one of the one of the things I said to him is, you know, I'd like to invite you to Gary to visit our schools. And so he said, who's gonna protect me? So a hush went over the room, okay. I didn't say anything, I just went on. And so he came to me later, he apologized. And he came to Gary. And the superintendent and I took him around, you know, so that he could see the schools and stuff, you know. So, uh, so like I said, it was that kind of atmosphere I thought we had, 
in the Senate. I'm not too sure whether or not they weren't still, you know, running every two years. You got to be more political, you know, than you are in the Senate where you only have to run every four years, you know, so you can. And so I think they get into more maybe political stuff mm -hmm. than we did in the mm -hmm. Senate, but I enjoyed the Senate a lot, mm -hmm. you know, so. Well, my final question then is, especially since you've traveled all over the state and served for so long, what, if any, enduring qualities do you think Hoosiers have or hold dear? Or are there any? Well, you know, there's a certain... Um, I think integrity to Hoosiers. I think what you see is what you get. There is no pretense, no hiding, you know, and even though you may have differences, I think that there is an honest portrayal of what you see is what it really is. And so it's that integrity and that honesty, I think that differs us, you know, from, from other states, you know. It may not be what you like, it may not be you want, but it is what it is. And when it is what it is, and there's that honesty and integrity there, then you, to me, it's fair, and uh, it helps you and enables you to see a way to maybe change things, whereas if you weren't getting the right picture, then you might be going down the wrong road. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay mm -hmm. right, yeah. Now, I'm Illinois, I'm next to Chicago, so we see the, the news from Illinois all the time, and that that's not what's there. Maybe that's why, I mean, I can see the big difference that's there, you know. I mean, a Hoosier, you know, they'll tell you where they are and that's where they are. You know, like it, you know, or not, you know, and there's no, you know, you don't have to dig deep or any of that. You know, it is what it is, which is, to me, is fair. I think uh, what is not fair is when the people hide you know, and, and you don't know where to maybe alleviate any problems and all of that, so, sure. you know, so. Well, I could probably talk to you for about 10 hours. You have fascinating <laughs> stories, but I'm very cognizant of your time. Is there anything that I haven't asked that, that you want to get on the record or anything that you feel like we haven't gone over? Nope. No, no, just, I, you know, that I, I absolutely love the loved the process mm -hmm. I do and uh, you know and I, I just am so thankful that I was able to to be in a position to do what I did and uh, I, I'm having a, a hard time uh, going back to normal life you know uh, I was reading in the paper about this teacher at a Catholic school here. Uh, who's been teaching for 50 years. I could have done this 
you know, and I keep asking myself, you know, Geraldine, you, you could have got a chauffeur or you could have, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but I miss it. And, you know, when I talk about my state house family, you know, it, it is, it was, mm -hmm. it was my family, you know. And uh, so the, uh, the separation has not been easy for me, mm -hmm. but it gets better every day, you know. And so, well, when and you were I know. you there for so long. I yeah, mean, right. Yeah. part of your life. Right, absolutely. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. So, but uh, like I said, I still, you know, keep in contact with them from time to time, mm -hmm. you know, some of them. And. Plinker and I, we're still good buddies. I guess she'll still, she's, Earlene, because Charlie decided not to run. It's early, why don't you run? And Charlie Brown, I said, are you kidding? You think I'm going to start all over again? <laughs> well, we watched our children grow up together, mm -hmm. you know, and uh -huh. so, uh, and then uh, her husband and my husband, you know, former athletes, and I know Vic has had some health challenges too, you mm -hmm. know, so. Yeah. So there are, there are associations that you make there that, uh, impact so anyway well i probably talked too no, much no no it was really great i very much enjoyed it and thank you so much for oh, agreeing yeah, was, to do this yeah, and for taking the time okay. and um i'll just hand this sheet back to you here okay and if you're okay with it if you just want to check no restrictions and okay. sign up here but if there's anything okay no restrictions that you, you know, you know want to close off. I'm happy to do that too. No, that's fine. And I'll go ahead and turn the recorder off here.